Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And speaking of Renaissance Bank, they just won yet another award. They were named one of the best banks in the world in the World's Best Banks 2022 report put out by Forbes. Now, that follows, it seems like, awards year after year. They won Forbes Magazine uh, Best Bank in Georgia for 2020 and 2021. They won Time Magazine's Money.com Best Bank in the South for 2019. I could keep going. The point is, you ought to come check out why these awards are being given. Um, I know myself, I think it, part of it is they're just a, a deal. They're, it, with the size that they are, they deliver their services in a personal way. Uh, and uh, I think that shines through in everything they do. So if you'd like to know more, go to renaissancebank.com and check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Carrie Matthews. Carrie is with Opal Partners Group. Carrie, welcome. Good morning, John. Hey, great to have you back. We've, you're a return guest. We always love our return guests. So <laughs> It's always good to see you, and I love the opportunity to talk with you again. Yeah, thank you. Um, so for those that don't know the work about the work you do, let's, uh, let's fill them in. How are you serving folks out there? Sure thing. I am a fractional chief operations officer, and a lot of people may not know what that is, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're familiar with a fractional CFO and other type things. Mm-hmm. But in general, anytime you have a fractional executive, we're giving C-level services on a part-time basis to small businesses. Mm-hmm. I happen to focus on the operations side. And operations can really mean different things to everybody. If you sure. ask them, they'll all tell you a different answer. And they're probably all right at some level. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to focus on more strategic planning and operational excellence. Mm. Um it can be anything from process improvement to uh, working with how you're structured, driving accountability, any of those types of things. You know, we were talking about this before we came on the air. I think folks understand fractional CFO. Uh, they understand frac, and they don't even need to know what CFO means, right? Uh, right. Because they already know. They understand what CMO is and fractional CMO, chief marketing officer. They get that. Um but I think a lot of small businesses don't think about the opportunities they have by engaging a fractional COO. You know, you're right. And one of the things I tell uh, business owners, and probably the easiest way to explain how I help them, I take things off your plate that you don't need to be doing or you don't enjoy doing. Mm. Um, small businesses, especially when they're starting out and they're growing, the CEO is wearing multiple hats. Mm-hmm. They will be the visionary. They'll be the person that's the enforcer. They're the one dealing with all the department heads. And that eventually begins, becomes too much. I mean, if you think about the roles, a visionary uh, is there casting this big vision and getting people excited about it. Uh, they're charged with building culture, maintaining industry relationships. And then uh, the COO role is focused more on making sure the department's 
play well together, mm-hmm. um, making sure that we are following our business plan, that we are accountable to the things that we're doing. And those are things that CEOs don't usually like to do. Mm-hmm. But when they start out, they have to play in both of those areas. And they eventually they either burn out or they become ineffective in one or more of them. Right. So I'll come in and you know, help um, remove the burden from them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I've heard it said, and I, I'm going to uh, bungle this uh, quote, but that that businesses are nothing more than just a series of processes and something along those lines. That's an idea that I know resonates with you, right? But I think the typical entrepreneur, of course, they don't think of it that way. They think they're solving a problem, they're, they're, which is great. And that's right. the reason they got into the business. Uh, but they're solving a problem for the market out there. Um, but they don't think about the necessity of good processes, particularly if they want to grow. Right. I break every business down into seven business areas. I don't care what you do. You're going to have some level of executive leadership. You're going to have a finance. You're going to have HR, IT, sales, production. And the one thing everybody misses is business preparedness. And that's making sure you have everything you need to uh, protect the business, Mm -hmm. whether it's contractually, whether it's uh, the uh, oh crap moment. (laughs) If you remember... You know, years ago, I-85 caught on fire. And who right. would have who would have planned for that? Right. Or, you know, we have a, a pandemic that changes how you do work. And you have to have some things in place to how do you deal with the unexpected? You sure. can't plan for everything, but mm-hmm. you can plan for some things. So I look at all of those, uh, those seven business areas for every business. And there are strategic and uh, operational issues that you need to do for each one. There's some planning and there's some execution and some preparedness for each one of those things. So let's talk about some of those things. And and maybe b- before we do that, I'm sure some folks are thinking, well, hey, I mean, nobody could pr- predict it as, as you admit. I mean, nobody can predict, you know, a fire on 85 that causes a bridge to collapse. Um, but that's really not the point. The point is, a building resiliency in the business, right? For whatever happens. Absolutely. Because there are, there are other risks as well. Uh, there are market risk. You could have, um, significant amount of business with one customer Mm -hmm. and that's not good if that customer decides to change. Mm -hmm. Or if you have one product or service and you have, um, changing technology, that's going to, you know, somebody's, better, stronger, faster is going to come into your marketplace and you have to be able to pivot. So there's some long-term planning that that goes with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, there are things that do happen that you have to think about. If, you know, if you have a warehouse, if you have an office, if you can't get to that, and that's why I always bring up the I-85 fire. Sure. How do you pivot? How do you, what do you need to do in the middle of the night when you get the phone call? Hey, something happened to your building. Instead mm-hmm. of trying to figure that out at 3 a.m. and start panicking, to go through the process of documenting, okay, if we can't get to our office, we need to contact these people. We need to reach out to this insurance agent. Here's our landlord. Here's, you know, we need to change the mail. We make sure we get our checks coming in if they're still being mailed. You can run through a checklist of things like that. Mm-hmm. You can also just do planning. If you were to, if you were to suddenly have opportunity and you were going to grow 20% this year, what's your hiring pro? plan. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to staff? Do you have somewhere to put them? Do you have the capital to support that revenue growth? Um, there's also issues of if something negative happens and you have to make some cuts and some tough decisions, what do you cut? Are you cutting people? 
Are you looking at your products and services and getting rid of the, uh, perhaps a service that's not high margin or high dollar or doesn't contribute to your future vision? So you can do planning. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was, uh, Dwight Eisenhower said that, uh, the plan is nothing, but planning is everything. Mm. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, because whatever you plan for is probably guaranteed not to happen. Right, that's <laughs> exactly that, right. <laughs> I think if you plan for something specific, but again, it's just the, uh, giving your organization resiliency and 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 a little flexibility, maybe is another word. That's right. And I think he said that in the context of coming out of World War II. He was a general, <laughs> and you know, you yeah. have to plan what's going on, but you don't know what the uh, what the other side's going to do. But if yeah. you've planned, you know what you're good at, you know what you're not good at, you know what resources you have available, and you can then pivot when you need to. So you mentioned uh, you work in these um, building uh, resiliency, better processes in these seven different areas. Talk about, maybe give some examples on how that works, maybe one or two of those, if you will. Absolutely. I'm uh, working with a client right now, and they're growing, and they're in a, a really nice industry. Um, it combines finance and technology. So it's a really great space for them to be in right now. Um, but they have some challenges. You know, the marketplace for uh, staff right now, everybody competing for the same people. Uh, you have changing demands in terms of people wanting to work from home or hybrid schedules or flexible work weeks. Uh, you've got changing in changing pay. Um, you've got compensation issues to make sure you're driving the right uh, type of uh, results that you want to see. Mm -hmm. And sometimes small businesses just don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, This particular client has been making changes to their benefits and uh, how they, how they're approaching the marketplace. And we've really spent some time focusing on what doesn't a comprehensive staffing plan and compensation plan need to look like. In addition to that, uh, they are hiring people in multiple states. Well, every state has different laws related to overtime, paid time off, unemployment. We have to make sure we're compliant with all of those things. Um, we also have to teach the managers how to manage when they're not walking around in the same office. Mm. When I was uh, working full-time uh, before I went out on my own, uh, I believed in management by walking around. I mm. would make a point two or three times a day to get up, walk around, see who I bumped into, talk to them about whatever was on their mind or whatever happened to see going on. You can still do that remotely and virtually, but you have to be very intentional about it. And, you know, whether yeah. it's... Well, let me stop you there. Say how okay. that is, because I bet you there's somebody just like me out there that says, how do you do that? Well... If, if you can't do it physically. Think about it. When you okay. get up and walk around, what do you do? You see who's there and you run into somebody and you start talking to them for a few minutes about what they're working on or whatever else happens. You can do the same thing. Uh, you and I mentioned earlier that you use Slack uh-huh. and people use Teams or they right. use instant messaging or whatever technology they've chosen. You can drop a quick note, say, hey, I was just thinking about you. How's your day going? What's going on? Mm. What are you working on? And you can ask those questions. The key is the manager has to be very intentional about doing that. So you convert management by walking around to management by instant messaging or whatever it is. So you can still engage in that free form conversation outside of meetings. Yeah. I've seen some uh, different businesses be very successful with doing team lunches via zoom. They will really, yeah, they will send uh, a lunch kit to everybody 
Oh, you know, same ha- lunch to everybody. Huh? Have lunch delivered to everybody I remotely, uh-huh. and they all get on the camera and they talk while they eat. So it's just like doing a team lunch. Right. You know, so you can be very creative using technology to do those things that culturally help you stay in touch with your team uh, without physically being in the same space. I love that. Um, Kerry Matthews is with us, folks, from Opal Partners Group. I would imagine, Kerry, that, that, um, You've got to be careful when you're doing that kind of communication, not to turn that, uh, you know, innocent, hi, how you doing into some sort of agenda, right? Oh, while I've got you, let, let's, let's talk about such and such. And then that employee thinks every communication is really about, you know, the work itself and not really about them and checking in with them and showing some empathy toward where they are. That's a great point. And no matter what you're doing, whether you're working in, uh, in person mm-hmm. or working remotely, that check-in is, touch, is relating to that individual on a one-on-one basis. If they need to talk to you or there's something that you do need to, to schedule, let's say, hey, you know, let's put some time on my calendar. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Or I want to see you to discuss you know, you, how this project is going or this customer is going. You can do that. Uh, but not not do it in the moment. You don't want people to be afraid. Oh, here comes so and so. Instant messaging me again, and you don't. And they're you know they're away. All of a sudden, they change their status to to away. You're in a meeting, right? Right. So you want to make sure that you are engaging on a personal uh, personal level. And again, whether you're working in person or in a distributed remote manner, you should have regular check ins with your team, whether it's team meetings or one on ones, to talk about those types of things. So they they get out in the open and they're discussed on a regular basis and the they're not surprised by you dropping in. Yeah, for sure. I can see how you are the entrepreneur's best friend when you say you're going to take things off their plate they don't really want to do. Um yet entrepreneurs sometimes have trouble with change. <laughs> not for outside the business and growing the business, but just inside and how things run every day inside the business, right? How do you deal with that? Usually, if someone's engaged me, they know something needs to change. <laughs> they may not know. They've what, had it, huh? They may not know what it is, <laughs> and they may need. They may think as everybody else needs to change. Yeah, but they know at some level that things aren't going as well as they should be. Or things are going great, but they can't sustain what they're doing because they're, you know, they're burning out. They're getting tired. And there's really two approaches to change that I hear. Some people don't like change, and I think that's not exactly correct. They like change. They don't initiate. Ah, there you go. You know, I like that distinction. People yeah. like change if they're making the change. So they don't like if somebody else makes it. <laughs> that's right. You know, but the other issue is some people just thrive on change, or they're trying to solve so many problems they introduce too much change and that becomes a big issue to deal with. Mm. Then how, how much is too much? I mean, how do you, how do you, um, keep up, keep the tenor of the organization where it ought to be, um, from a change perspective and not overwhelm folks or not go too slow. You know, there are a couple of, of things I look at when people are introducing change one. And I hear this a lot is that We've been solving these problems. We had an initiative to fix this. We had a project to do this. We changed that, but there's no follow through. So they spend a lot of time and effort or even capital to invest in new systems, new processes, new policies 
but no one is responsible for making sure those things are implemented. That was a waste of of their time and effort to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you start seeing too many changes, you'll have chaos. Mm-hmm. The team can't keep up. One of the things that people have to remember when you introduce change, if you think about a, what a check mark looks like, as you go from left to right, yep, it drops down before it goes up. When you introduce change, you see the same thing. So if you're at your starting point, when you introduce change, you're going to have a reduction in efficiency while people learn the new process or the new system or the new tool. Mm-hmm. You're also going to have maybe a diff in profitability because you, uh, you're working a little bit slower. You're investing capital. Eventually, it's going to turn up and be positive. You start doing too many changes at once, the time for that cumulative effect for, to turn positive gets longer and longer and longer. Yeah. So your people have lost focus. There's some confusion. There's less loss of efficiencies. When you start seeing people not be able to keep up with all the changes or identify what all the changes are, what their new processes are, you've, you've probably had your foot on the gas too long. You know, I like, uh, I read, in fact, I'm going to do a post on this at some point. Um, not about, not, not with the same conclusion, but it applies here is, uh, I read a long time ago, Seth Godin said that, um, puppies grow up to be dogs. And the problem is people don't get that in business, that that cute little thing you've added, that new process or that new enhancement, uh, product enhancement, service enhancement, whatever it is, um, it feels nice at the time, but it grows up to be a dog and, you know, it's nice and cute and so forth, but it grows up to be a dog you have to take care of. Mm-hmm. And so, so I can imagine how you, um, really help business owners sift through whether they ought to get that puppy or not, or which puppy they ought to get. You know, part, identifying the changes you need to make mm-hmm. really is a, a large part of what I do because most business owners, they have a thousand ideas a day. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, not all of them are great. You know, we oh, have, come on. you have to sift through <laughs> and figure out which ones are going to have the biggest impact. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard this said many times, you know, Steve jobs is very pleased that you could put every single product that Apple made on a table. And he said, we throw away great ideas every day to pursue mm. only the best. Mm. And it's really the same thing. You're looking at uh, making improvements to the business, whether you're trying to become more profitable, uh, grow, add new products or services, you have to make tough decisions. So part of my job is helping identify what's going to have the biggest impact to help us get us towards our short and long-term goals. And then that's a team effort. I don't have all the answers. I help facilitate the team and bringing in their expertise, whether it's sales or marketing or operations or accounting together. So we can all talk about where we really need to be going, where we want to land, you know, whether it's six, 12, 24 months down the road mm-hmm. and what's going to move us fastest and most profitably to the, that goal. So Carrie, let's talk about specifically how you work with clients and, and maybe we can start that by you talking about the kinds of clients you work with, whether that's size of company, industry, are there particular uh, niches that you work in? You know, I have worked with everybody from uh, food 
food distributors to cattle farms to real estate companies. Uh, the industry is not nearly as important. I find that most small businesses have the same issues, and a lot of them revolve around capacity and people. You know, so we we always tackle those types of issues, no matter who I work with. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear operations, they start thinking manufacturing or logistics, and that's not an area that I specialize in. My history has really been more in the the B two B type world, especially mm-hmm. service oriented. Mm. That's my natural home. Okay. Um, and the usual client for me is somewhere they they've started to hit one to two million in revenue. They have maybe ten employees, up to about fifteen or twenty million dollars in revenue and a hundred employees. That tends to be the sweet spot for who I work with. Mm. Gotcha. And when you get that call from a uh, entrepreneur, a business owner that wants to change that, but just doesn't know, knows something needs to change, but not, not sure what it is. How does that conversation unfold? Talk about that. You know, every one of them uh, starts off a little bit differently. Some know they want to offload certain things. Like I'm too busy. I need someone to take care of X for me. That's a, usually a pretty easy conversation to have because they don't have an idea of what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, the more difficult conversation is when they say, you know, something's, I just don't feel like we're operating well. And that usually involves me spending some time with them and some key leaders sitting and observing, really understanding where they're going, what's what's happening, and picking up on certain things to hear what uh, what issues that are either said or unsaid and help help them process that. Once I have a, a picture uh, of that, we will then figure out, okay, here's what I think we need to work on, and here are the ways that we can do it. Mm-hmm. And there are really three ways that I engage most of my clients, John. The most common is where I'm a truly a fractional COO, where I'm taking responsibility for certain tasks, I'm working through those uh, on them on a, a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I, I own those tasks. The, uh, the second most common way is they have a specific project that needs executive leadership. Uh, one example was I had a client that uh, they needed to do some back office work. Uh, they wanted to update how they were doing some invoicing. Um, a very unique model in, in terms of what they do and how they serve their clients. Mm-hmm. And, they needed someone to help. How do we make this better? Because it's killing our accounting person. Mm. So I wrote the business requirements after interviewing the accounting team and the executives, wrote the business requirements, helped them find and identify vendors here in Atlanta that could specialize in that type of work, help them select one, and then I project managed the implementation of that project for them. Mm. So I was really running a project for them at an executive level. And that's that's not an uncommon uh, way for me to engage with clients either. And one that I've had start to pop up more and more, and it's sort of a new area for me, is mentoring uh, people who are sort of new to operations management. Someone who kind of grew up in the business, uh, they're now, uh, you know, they're charged with managing two or three people or an operations department. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll come in and just be sort of the mentor, mm. you know, work with them on a, a regular basis, you know, maybe once a week. Spend some time asking about how they're doing, what are they struggling with, what are they working on, helping them do some planning, identify things they might be able to to learn or do better, you know, and brainstorming with them, whatever they need, just be a resource to them to help them, you know, feel comfortable in their new role. Sure, sure. And 
Uh, so you're in, in, in terms of length of engagements, it could range from something that's limited in term, as long as the project lasts, mm-hmm. however long that is, right. to something that's uh, more or less perpetual. If you're the essentially the the day to day outsourced or fractional COO, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, the pro- what I call a project usually is time bound with a very specific deliverable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a couple of months, it could be several months. Uh, but most of my engagements are there is no end date. Uh, we work with the business as long as the business needs it. And and I know that eventually, if we're doing the right things, they're going to grow to the point where they need a full-time COO. And that's why I help them get there. I'm the, I bridged that gap from needing somebody part-time to getting to the point where they need, need somebody full-time and help them identify what that role can do and will look like. So one thing you mentioned, uh, I mean, you did mention the uh, getting the idea of getting uh, an entrepreneur, getting things off their plate. Um, I would think you're an essential element in something even bigger than that for the typical entrepreneur, which is getting the, that entrepreneur to a point where the business runs without them and where I'm going with that of course is mm-hmm. exit planning planning for an exit down the road and part of that the element essential element of that is showing a buyer of that business that they can come in and take over that business and that the presence of that founder is not needed you are 100% correct the uh, one of the surprises that business owners have is that you need to start planning your exit years in advance. It's mm-hmm. not something you decide in March and then you're done in October. Mm-hmm. You know, that just doesn't happen usually. Right. But helping them identify the things they can do to make their business more attractive. And that means removing the business's dependence upon them is a huge factor. And this will increase your valuation as well. Mm-hmm. If they shows they can run without the founder being there, right. Huge increase in uh, the uh, potential multiple that you're going to get for that business, but also shows uh, we have processes that are documented. We have a standard way of doing things. We've optimized. We don't have a lot of waste. Um, looking at opportunities for recurring business, uh, you know, monthly repetitive billing that shows uh, steady income rather than everything being single transactions or one offs. Mm-hmm. Things like that that uh, people intuitively know, but they don't really think about. Like, how can we convert what we're doing to a a recurring revenue model that makes us more attractive? Mm. Got it. Um, Carrie, I would love it as we kind of wrap up the show. If you could share maybe a success story, and I know you can't mention names specifically, but if you could share a success story that's illustrative of the transformative work you can do. You know, there. I, I, I kind of be modest here. You know, I, well, we, we're not we're not into modesty here. Terry, so <laughs> just let her fly. <laughs> yeah, a couple of things really stand out in my mind. Uh, I had a, a business owner uh, here in Atlanta, and he was trying to be a COO. He was trying to be a CEO. Uh, he had some uh, some younger team members, and he was putting out fires every day. Uh, also trying to decide, do I keep the business? Do I sell the business? I have opportunities. You know, do I expand into other areas? And my role for him 
I, I came in and we had a uh, a weekly meeting mm-hmm. with uh, the key leaders and himself to make sure we're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. And then I spent time helping the operations manager really focus on what they're doing. I mean, they had challenges with uh, with COVID, so there were some uh, staffing issues. You know, uh, how do you how do you manage it when you're you don't know who's going to be there from day to day? Uh, there were some things that need to be cleaned up. There were some processes that were broken. And we came in and worked with uh, the, the key managers for uh, about a year, maybe a year and a half. Uh, and then the uh, owner was able to actually make some decisions and ended up selling the business to a mm-hmm. larger uh, uh, VC company that was pulling together people like him. And he had a unique niche that uh, that was missing. He was able to, to sell that business. So I was... Anytime that people tell me that uh, we can help get where they need to be, that's exciting. But one of the best compliments I had was from my, one of my current clients. I won't name them. Uh, they've been struggling with how to get some information for about two years. And they they had the systems and they had multiple places and they were just couldn't figure out how to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And after about 30 seconds, I said, well, why don't we do this? They said, oh, my gosh, that'll work. And uh, I think a few days later, someone, we were just ha- going around the table talking about what was on our minds, what was going on. And uh, one of the owners said, you make things simple. Mm. You know, we struggle with how to do certain things. It, it seems so complex. It seems so overwhelming. And you come in, you just add some simplicity and some clarity, and you really help us focus on what we need. And when I hear that, it makes my day. Yeah. Wow. Tremendous work here, folks, from Kerry Matthews. He is uh, with Opal Partners Group. Wow, Kerry, this has been uh, awesome. Uh, and congratulations on the tremendous work you uh, have done and continue to do. Um, for those that would like to be in touch and would like to know more, let's get them uh, directions. How can they do that? Absolutely, John. Well, my my home on the web is opalpg.com. That's O-P-A-L-P-G.com. And they, there's a contact form that can reach out to me. I'm also on LinkedIn, both under the uh, Opal Partners Group and as well as Kerry Matthews on LinkedIn. Awesome. Kerry Matthews, folks, Opal Partners Group. Kerry, this has been fun and informative. Uh, a great combination. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me again, John. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. Hey, folks, just a uh, quick reminder. If you're looking for a different way to do corporate team building, one that does not involve sprained ankles and broken bones. Um, here, here's a shot for you. ANS Culinary Concepts. Uh, they do corporate team building inside their award-winning culinary studio. And uh, if it involves food, I'm there. And I think you should be there too. Uh, Andrew Traub and his team do great work. They they are uh, fantastic. And I've been over there many times. And uh, I think you should check them out. Go to asculinaryconcepts.com and uh, you can check out not only their team building work, but they do, of course, uh, corporate catering and they've got Big Green Egg boot camps, which are unique. Um, So go to their website and check them out or just give Andrew a call, 678-336-9196 and tell him we sent you. And just a quick reminder, folks, as we wrap up the show, North Fulton Business Radio, we're coming up on show number uh, 450, something like that. And we, uh, are here to celebrate business in and around the North Fulton region. We can't do that fully without your help. 
And all we need you to do is share the show. When you hear a show that you think uh, someone else needs to hear, share it. Um, you'll be helping them, but you'll all be also be helping our great guests, guests like Carrie that do terrific work, and we want that work to be celebrated and found. So if you could help us help them, we'd greatly appreciate it. So for my guest, Carrie Matthews, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.